I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. What does it mean to market to the affluent client? How do they make purchasing decisions, and what is our role in guiding them through that process? Today, we are super excited to have Natasha O'Banion from Automated CEO on the show to talk about sales psychology of the affluent client. Natasha shares what it means to communicate them, how to use words appropriately, and why it's not always having to be about flash and bang, but really about substance and making decisions based on the right choice for them. Let's get started. Hi, guys. Yes, I'm Natasha Banyan. I am a pet business coach and a pet brand owner. I originally started Walk with Renzo and Ruby in Washington, D.C. I was able to scale that business to D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and Texas, where I then switched over to doing full-time product brand online post-COVID, which I've been super excited about. Uh, We do athletic apparel, dog-obsessed workout gear now, and I also help other pet businesses coach. I coach them through their current businesses, how to scale, grow, and most importantly, run their business without them. So I got my hands in a little bit of everything. Uh, My background comes from sales. I have 13 years in the automotive industry where I have studied sales from the simplest subjects to the most advanced. Um, I spent most of my time looking at people's credit. So I have a little bit of a perspective when it comes to how people spend money, how they use it, how they see it, their relationship with it. I've been able to leverage that information in the pet business, which has allowed me to grow my dog walking business to six figures fairly quickly and then scale post seven figures beyond that. Um, And I'm excited to share this with you guys. I feel like there's a little bit of that insight that really helps the businesses kind of get over the hump or, you know, decide what's that 1% know that I don't know, or what are they doing that I'm not doing? So hopefully this subject can help you guys uh, work through that. Yeah, well, when we talk about sales and selling and marketing our businesses, that's not something that a lot of us have backgrounds in. We love pets, we love the animals, and we kind of find ourselves running a business one day. So when, when I say the phrase sales psychology, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, sales psychology is really just understanding the mental process that a client goes through. So that client buying journey before they say yes. You know, what do they, what kind of information do they need? What do they process before they actually decide, hey, I'm going to go with this business. I'm going to, you know, spend money here. I see value in this product. Um, So taking, understanding that sales psychology through the client buying experience is really where you can start to market and leverage to the exact person you're trying to talk to. It's about knowing your client and their motives as well, instead of just showing up as a blank slate, having no idea who you're talking to. And And I think, you know, importantly, this happens both in person, but it also happens in the materials and other marketing things that we're putting out there on our website or social media as well. Exactly. And so in simple terms, really just understanding your client's needs, not pain points, but needs right? We have wants and needs. And if you can look at a client and say, listen, I'm the person that can provide you the education, the information for you to make a best decision, then we can do business. Do you agree? Do I agree? Perfect. Now we have a relationship. It's actually fairly simple 
But I think people who have not understood sales, you know, it can be intimidating, right? The things that we don't know or we're not familiar with can seem like, well, I don't want to sell someone something. I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm manipulating or this is yucky. But when in fact sales has nothing to do with manipulation, has nothing to do with convincing someone, it's literally educating. So if you consider yourself an educator, someone who cares and loves and values a consumer, and you know that you're going to be the very best fit for their needs. That's a relationship. Yeah, I, I think if you've ever been in that position where you're doing a meet and greet, or you're talking to somebody on the phone, or somebody who's requesting your services, and if you ever had that thought of, well, what made them choose me? Right? What was it about me that made them go with me? What kind of pushed them over that hump? This is what that's getting at: is understanding what kind of made them go. No, that person is the one that I trust. And so, as a business, it really is fundamental to how we operate because if we have no idea why people are choosing us and what we're doing, right? We kind of miss out on a lot of the power that we have as, as a business. Absolutely. And that goes all the way back to those value ads. You want to look at your business as a whole and decide like, what kind of client do I want to work with? You know, what do I want to offer to the client? What kind of experience do I want to take them through? How do I want to be seen as the standout option between the crowd? And so when you know what your wants are to deliver to the client, you can then start talking to your people. And so I know in the pet industry, we always talk about, you know, in the service-based side, we talk about covering the city versus covering the suburbs versus covering the Royal. And we think it's just this whole different life. You know, sometimes it is in small ways, but at the end of the day, it's, do you provide a service that I actually need, that I see value in, that I can justify, that I can back up and support and continue to use this on a recurring basis for my family. And so going in deeper with that, you want to identify for me, I knew exactly who I wanted to talk to. I wanted to talk to a mini version of myself, a person who was working in a corporate industry that worked very long hours, who considered myself work hard, play hard, who wanted to still have all the fur babies I could possibly collect, but had no idea how I was going to take care of them by myself. (laughs) But I wanted them to have this like very plush luxury, like roll out the red carpet experience. You know, I had always worked with Mercedes, Lexus, Bentley, those brands in the past. And I've also worked with Honda, Mazda, Toyota, those brands as well. So I clearly saw the difference between that, like, whoa, wow, they really do things differently on this side. And so I said, why can't we give that to the pet business? Why can't we roll out that red carpet and still be able to make a profit, supply the client's needs, but then stand out from the crowd? And so when I start looking at my avatar, I said, wow, I really want to start targeting city going people that tend to not have family in the area who tend to you know, um, work long hours who tend to try to live somewhat of a social life on a regular basis. Um, and those were typical at our time was the millennial base buyer. I had a lot of clients that worked in Congress or who were staffers, you know, they fell in that category. I had a lot of clients who also had children and they were like, I just can't do it all. And so where we came in is we say, listen, I don't even want you to consider yourself to do it all anymore. I want you to hire us to join as partners and we're going to take care of that. Similar to when I hire my nanny service or when I hire a cleaning service or someone to cut my grass, I just can't do it all. So what is it that you provide that's going to make my life easier? I have this pet. I don't know what I'm doing. So what can you provide to me that makes me a better consumer? 
And I think that's where a lot of us miss the mark is that a lot of our clients are like first time uh, pet owners. A lot of them are, right? Especially post COVID, you know, the shelters were cleared out. A lot of our clients are just not educated as we are. We have thousands of opportunities that we service dogs every single day that we know a little bit more than they do, but they look to us to educate them to then guide them down the direction that we've set forth for them. You know, when we lose opportunities to sell our clients' products on a meet and greet, that's a huge opportunity where people are like, oh, I want to grow my business. I want to make more money. Well, if you have a client that found you, that's inviting you to their home on a meet and greet, why are you then not offering them product to grow your business? Because these are products they're going to need anyway. They're going to need a leash. They're going to need a harness. They're going to need a dog bowl. These are all things that have small effort for you to grab and get and sell to your clients. Yeah, like you said, it's about meeting their needs and understanding what those are. And as you, you early on elucidated, the difference between pain points versus needs in their lives. They have things, they have problems that they're trying to solve. And how do we do that? And for this discussion, we're talking about, you know, especially for the affluent client, because that's a big topic of discussion of who should I sell to? Maybe I should, should I just only sell to rich people? Should I only provide services to these affluent people? Uh, but there's a little bit of pushback on that when people go, well, doesn't that doesn't that limit my business and the scope of people who I can care for? Because there aren't that many people out there with that level of income in their life. So how do we walk that fine line between, or maybe it isn't a fine line, um, of serving this more niche clientele and not having a, as a wide base of clients. Yeah. So the thing about the affluent, the affluent only means that the medium household is a six figure income. Typically it's a six figure to a million dollar income. That is what they define as affluent. The thing is it has nothing to do with limiting your resources. It all has to do with niching down to who can actually afford us. No matter what side of the world you're on, suburbs, royal city, we all know that we're looking for a client that has discretionary income. It's nothing to do with, oh, well, they're rich. Okay, they can pay more money. No, <laughs> there's so many rich people that I personally know who have retirement, who have trust funds, that they're also living on a very limited <laughs> resources. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the money that they can afford you, but we are looking for a person with discretionary income who we know that they can afford to have an animal. Having a pet is a luxury. I was raised very poor. So I do know both sides of the tracks where a client may not have the resources to provide you a consistent business as a recurring client, we're on this side, they do have the medium income, they do have the needs and wants, and they're going to provide an offer and want a service. That's literally what it comes down to. Someone who can afford a service and someone who can't. Someone with discretionary income and someone who doesn't. When I didn't have discretionary income, I did it all myself. When I did have discretionary income, I hired partners. And like, it has to be that simple for us because I know that a lot of us are like, oh, I want to be able to service them and I want to be able to offer them a discount so they can afford me. And I know that they really want to use me, but they can't afford it. Well, we don't really know what's going on in their pocketbook. We don't really know what's going on behind the scenes because I can tell you right now, looking at thousands of credit reports, I'm like, people have money if they want to. Yeah. <laughs> they can afford and buy whatever they want. It's just where they see value. And that's where we get the opportunity to really explain why letting your dog out for a midday is so important. Why having a pet sitter come to your home while you're on vacation at least three times a day is so important. We have to actually provide that information for them. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Susan from The Pet Gal has this to say. 
Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. Right. Well, I know sometimes it can be hard to understand and know what kind of information to give people who are more affluent. As you said, you know, you didn't grow up affluent. I did not grow up affluent. So it's sometimes hard to get into the mindset of what their needs are because I, I don't know that world. It's so foreign to me. So how do we start understanding what those are and, and how do we best start you know, putting that into practice in our businesses? Yeah, a fluent, person, a fluent buyer really buys with facts. You know, they're not really emotional when it comes to their money. They're like, where's the value? Where's the facts? Where's the information? How are you going to make my life easier? Are you really going to take this off my plate? Or am I going to have to babysit you and coach you and ask you a whole bunch of questions? And it's a very type A type of buyer. It's like, they like things like it's done. It's handled already on top of it. Don't sweat it. You don't have to worry about it. My, com- my company's got you. They're like, yes, yes. They get chills. Like they literally are like, yes, you guys are my people. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is exactly why I pay you guys. Because you guys handle me. You handle it. You handle my dog. You handle my home. I have complete trust, complete faith. And I don't care how much it costs because you guys are handling it. I think you're worth it. I value what you guys provide to me. You have apps, you have consistency, you have the information, you have staff, you have professional, you have easy, non-cumbersome processes. It's clear. It's to the point. I am trying to make money in my back. I'm trying to do this over here and this over here. And you guys just come in and it's done. That's how they buy. It's a bada boom, bada bang relationship. And the more that you're asking a client, well, what do you think? And how do you feel? And well, what do you need? Well, what do you want me to do? They're like, they start losing trust and confidence because they don't feel like you're the authority in this. And they have to feel that you are in fact the authority. And when they do, they might, you know, slap their hand a few times when people say, oh, I'm getting so much pushback, pushback. It's only because we're testing the water a little bit. Everyone's going to test the water a little bit. And as soon as you let them know, no, 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 I got this. Yeah. You know, when you come into my doctor's office and you tell me you have an ailment, I tell you what you need. You trust me. When you come into my office as a lawyer and you have a case and you want me to settle it for you, you trust me. When you hire a pet sitter and a dog walker and you need me to come take care of your animal, you trust me. Right. So we have to make sure that we're showing the client that we're the that authority and we're making it very easy to, to recognize that. Yeah, because it's not about trying to dress differently, drive a different car, make ourselves look like we are affluent. That's not what buys that trust. It's that information. It's that peace of mind. And it's really, like you said, like their buying decisions are very much a time versus money kind of decision. They can quickly make that and go, oh... I see that. There's the value. Let's do this. You've got this. And and not feeling like we have to put on airs about fitting in or doing anything. You can pull up in the rattiest of rat car, but come out and be the knowledgeable, have all those processes, take care of their problems that they didn't even know they had or needed solved, and they're going to go with you because of that, of what you are bringing. 
Oh yeah. And like, it has nothing to do with materialistic things. You know, there's a, there's a group of people who want to, you know, buy the homes and the cars to match their lifestyle and they, they can, but it's that materialistic outlook is only from a poor person's mind. It says, Oh, they must be rich because they have a big house. No, that actually doesn't mean a lot. Oh, they must be rich because they drive a Mercedes. I drive a Mercedes. That doesn't mean a whole lot. Right. It has nothing to do with materialistic things. It has all to do with having a company come into my intertwined. And I can really say that I trust this company. When people say I offer peace of mind and trust, right? We see that on every pet sitter website. What does that even mean? Because when I go to your website and I'm trying to book you, I have to go through like 10 backlinks to even get a phone call and I can't even get through. That's not really trust. Because when I need you, you're probably not going to be there. When I'm looking for follow-up information on a post-visit report and you're giving me very basic information, how can I trust you? You're wondering why your clients are calling you all the time or asking you a lot of questions. It's because we did not provide that pudding in front of it. We did not put the proof before the exit. So when you write a post-visit report, you put all the details there, lay it all out. Everything you ask me to do, it's all here every single time. I see a lot of times we're like, oh, I service that client every single day. They already know what I do. No, 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 no. They don't always know what you do. And that's going to be the one day that that backfires. So making sure whatever you outline your process is, you're providing at the same exact time, a consistent client experience. I literally just hired a TV guy the other day to mount my TV and he had amazing reviews, like a hundred amazing reviews. But somehow when he got to me and the guy before me, he like completely dropped the ball. He was so non-responsive, like unprofessional. I think his car like overheated and he gave me very minimal information on how he was going to solve the situation. And I was like, whoa, the way you're handling me is not where I want to put my money. You could have simply said, hey, my car overheated. I'm not going to make the time window, but listen, I'm going to try to push you back to the evening time window when I get this all, uh, get this all settled. How does that work for you? Hey, listen, I'm not going to be able to make it today. Some unforeseen circumstances happen, but you know what? I'll give you a few dollars off and be there for tomorrow to save your time. How does that sound? Right. Making sure we're following up, not making our personal issues, the client issues. I see this a lot in our Facebook groups in the pet industry. Well, the client is unrealistic. They're too high maintenance. You know, their demands are too crazy. Oh, I love those clients. I'm like, oh, you, you fired that client. Perfect. Send them over to me, baby. Send them my way. Cause those are my people. Because I know those quote unquote demands and high maintenance is really just a lack of a process. It's just us not looking at that as an opportunity and saying, oh, they had this question. Let me put that in my business. So it's never a question again. But where we just write people off and say, oh, they're just too much. They're too much. Well, they may find their perfect fit. And that might just be us. Never know. I I think that may be how we view ourselves as well of am I just a dog walker? Am I just a pet sitter? Or am I bringing solutions to people? Am I solving problems in their lives? What, how, that, 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 that sets ourselves up for how we also match our prices and how we view how we serve others and when we serve others well. If we just see ourselves as this little corner of this thing and I do this thing and they ask this thing, it doesn't, it doesn't match up and I don't want to do that. How do you view yourself in your business? Are you solving people's problems? Are you, bringing, are you actively bringing solutions to people before they need it? You know, I love to bring 
when people get, come new to the to the area, that first meet and greet, telling them, hey, you're going to get a link. You're going to get three or four links set over to you with all of the pet resources that we know and have written about for you to start integrating to the pet community here. We're super excited to have you on board. People love that little touch of going, oh, wow, you're going to send me a blog about groomers and a dog about trainers and a dog about vets and a dog about and a blog about dog parks and all the things that I can do with my dog here. You have now solved those solutions before they even got to asking them. That that's where we start talking about like what are we bringing and how we're viewing ourselves when we're interacting with these clients. Oh yeah, I mean the client wants that this peace of mind. That's really what it comes down to. You know, when you always have to look at other industries. When I'm interviewing schools for my child and I come into orientation. Okay, so what is what is an orientation? What am I going to get here? Is this just a waste of my time? We'll look at a meet and greet similar to that. This is your opportunity to actually highlight your business, to show your client all the things that you guys offer. Don't just say, oh, you're looking for a pet sit. Okay, cool. And then just drop it at pet sit. Well, you offer so many other things. You offer weddings. You offer flipping the litter box. You offer, you know, happy hour visits, you offer morning, night visits, you offer boarding, you know, those are missed opportunities to quote unquote sell a client, but you're just satisfying a need where they're like, wow, I didn't even know you offered all that. I hear it a lot with my pet clients. They're like, oh, my clients always tell me they didn't even know I offered that. I'm like, what the? (laughs) I'm like, well, that just means that we probably can create a quick guide packet, right? Like when you buy a car and you have this quick guide that says, these are all the quick sheets on everything you're ever going to need here. Why can't you create something as simple as that where the client's like, wow, every time I need something, I can just go to this quick guide first and answer these questions before trying to make a whole appointment to get a servicing. Okay. (laughs) That's why those little trinkets are out here in different industries where we can copy and mock them to put into our business. It's so funny that you say that because I actually, I just did a meet and greet yesterday with a lady who had a whole team to come and care for her house. And she's like, you're taking care of the dog and I'm going to have somebody come and water the plants. I'm going to have somebody come in and do the trash. I'm going to have somebody checking the mail. And I had that exact same thought of like, what? I, I do all of that. Uh, I am missing something got dropped here uh, in this process. <laughs> of, it's of, true. It's of, literally true. People think they need a whole team, like a whole squad. And the affluent buyer has no problem hiring that squad yep. because we get a quality of life. That's just, it's, it's priceless. You cannot put a price on being able to hang out with your children all day long and not have to be like, Oh, I have to mow the grass. You cannot put a price on being like, you know what? I really want to take the kids to the pool, but I forgot like the house hasn't been clean in literally two weeks. And like, we have no clean underwear, right? (laughs) You know, it's that, it's that value that you're like, I'd rather be going on a hike. I'd rather be hanging out with my dog. I see so much more value in my life than just money. It's cost a hundred dollars. Sure, please. Because that $100 is going to give me two hours back of my life. Oh, that's a fair trade. So that's where they see that value exchange. But I always like that, that, uh, I like the quick starter guide guys. Everyone needs to implement one literally today because that's going to minimize a lot of your questions with clients, a lot of the back and forth and a lot of the admin. So it's like a double whammy. Yeah. And again, showing up, here's all the solutions I bring to you and here's information. Hi, good to know you. Right. And then they, like you said, they're going to go to that for reference when they need something in the future and they can hand that off to people whenever that comes around. It, it's, it's a tangible object. that's a reminder that, of who you are and what you're doing the, and the problems that you're solving. 
for them. And I think part of this too is you, you mentioned a couple times about, about pricing and time. And we, as you've said this before, but I do think it's really important to notice again with prices and, and the sales psychology of the affluent is understanding we can't impose our perceptions of our value on that person who's buying from us. I, I see a lot of people who go, Oh, I can't send that invoice. It's too much. I need I need to reduce this in some way. And we are imposing that. Or the inverse of going, wow, like you already said, look at that person's car, look at their house. I'm gonna I'm gonna add fifteen percent to this invoice because they can do that. It's not about that. It's about being confident in the services you provide and then finding the people that that matches when they find that value in you. Oh yeah. I mean, as long as you have your own process, it doesn't matter what the client is doing, saying, acting, you know, giving you facial expressions back that they're into you. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Stick to your process. This is our price. This is what this is going to cost. This is what that's going to cost. If you have two dogs, this is the price. If you want me to come on a holiday, this is the price. If you would like me to feed the dog or feed this, this is the price. If you'd like me to take out the mail, this is the price. I think we get into the client's mind and we start saying, well, oh, it's just adding up too much. I just can walk outside and just quickly water the grass. That's not going to be anything. I could just do that while I'm there. Well, you know, there's actually a whole new person that actually has that job and they charge $40 to do that. So you can too. The client will always look at you like, wow, they're undervaluing themselves. It's something we hear all the time where we hear like businesses say that the client was like, wow, that's it. That's only, oh, great. Yeah, sign me up. That's all it costs. Or they're like, wow, you should charge more for that. I would definitely pay double for that. Well, the client saw the value, but we didn't see the value. And really it comes from just experience. And I think in the workplace for the most part or experience as a buyer, Because I look at my whole life when I buy. How do I travel? How do I purchase a home? What kind of car do I look for? How do I, you know, choose neighbors? Everything has, where do I choose schools? Everything has an input to where I see value in each service, each each movement as a consumer. And so I think from the very beginning, we need to start utilizing social proof more. When a client can actually go to your Google website and see that you're highly liked and you're highly recommended, or you're repurposing that content on your social media, an affluent buyer will say, wow, this is someone who is consistent. They've, cons- they've produced consistent results, and I want to move forward. In the pet industry, especially service-based side, client has most likely already decided that they wanted to move forward with you before they even called you. There's not a lot of sales, so-called sales right? With the pet industry, which was so nice (laughs) because I was like, wow, I can really just make a well-informed website. I can create social proof. I can repurpose that social proof. I can make sure my SEO is pinging always back to me. And when I do those things properly, the client for the most part has already decided to move forward. Now I can use automation to close the deal. I don't even have to physically be there. But coming back to sales psychology, when we're thinking in our mind that we buy by talking to someone on the phone and we buy by, you know, someone laughing and smiling and giving me a bear hug, that's not how affluent people buy. They don't. They are so busy that they literally decompress at like 11 p.m. at night. Remind you, people who have money work for their money. They do investments. They run a team. You guys know how it is when you're running a team. It's a full-time job. They finally get to unwind again, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And they're like, oh, dang, I forgot to book the pet sitter. Okay, let me do that really quick. 
they get to go online and they get to book. And the moment you said confirmed, you're all set. They're like, yes. But when you guys have those time to pet requests first, well, I want to vet the client first and I want to talk to them first and get a feel for them before I can move forward. Well, what are you looking for? A smile and a pizza, pizza, pizza? What, what did you want to know? Where's the keys? What kind of dog do you have? Have they ever bit someone before? How are they with new people? You can simply ask these questions in your pre-qualifying process and allow the client to move forward versus being like, well, I personally would never buy a pet sitter unless I actually, you know, broke bread with them. (laughs) I, a lot of us, again, I come from poor life. A lot of us feel that way. Like, no, 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 no. I need to sit down with you. I need to break bread first. I need all my aunts to vet you. And then we can move forward. I mean, that's literally what it feels like when we do it that way. But when we change the mentality to an affluent buyer, they're like, how fast and quick can this happen? This is why the Rovers and the Wags are thriving because they understand that buyer. Us as a small guy are like, whoa, I would never do that. How do, how, how do they do that? Well, there's a whole community out here that just wants it done. Just get it done. Where we think that a lot of these tips are like, oh, well, this is a special touch. This is a special touch. I have to, you know, be able, they want to, they should know my cell phone number. They have to text me back. It's a special touch. A fluent buyer is like, uh, if this is your process, then I'll just follow it. But if I could just book, then I'm just going to book. What do you want me to do? We create the client. We show them how they should treat us. The National Association of Professional Pet Sitters, NAPS, is the only national nonprofit professional pet sitting association dedicated to raising and abiding by industry standards. NAPS provides pet sitters with the tools and resources to own and operate successful pet sitting businesses and the support needed to grow their businesses by promoting professional integrity through the Pledge of Professional Conduct, enhancing professional development through its annual conference, publications, and resources, and offering networking opportunities. Members are listed in the NAPS Referral Network, which can be assessed by pet parents, and they offer a certification program and continuing education. NAPS is run by its members for its members. It is a volunteer-driven association. Visit the NAPS website at petsitters.org for more information regarding NAPS membership and a complete 2023 conference details. Yeah, I think uh, as, as you're talking, you mentioned that some of the, the car companies that you had, had worked with, and it got me thinking, what's that buying process like? I can go online right now and uh, custom order a Bentley with a few clicks uh, to whatever I want and have it show up wherever I want, and it's just there. I don't have to go and drive and look at it. If I like it, I, it's going to work for me. I just five clicks and I've ordered a Bentley. I did not do that. Let me back out here. No credit card. Um, and <laughs> but, but I think we have to recognize that those kind of clients are out there. And if we want to go after them, that means we need to have those systems in place to meet those needs. To So they can, with ease, click, 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 done, we show up. If we, it's, it's all about understanding other buying processes. I think you mentioned earlier, looking at other industries, how are they being served there? Now, how can we integrate that into that into our businesses and our operations and serve them the way we want to? Absolutely. I saw like a study before that they said a client who is going to ask you a million and one questions. Well, how much is this? What's the color going to be? You know, when are you going to do this? When are you going to show up? How am I going to know? That kind of nitpicky client is the one that always lowballs you. But the client who says, oh, it's, you know, 50K, sure. Do you take cash or credit? 
That's usually the easier smooth sailing client because they already on a way different mindset to how they spend their money. But someone who doesn't have a lot of money, they hold on to it really tightly and they literally want to know if the dog is pooped at the end of the block. They're, they just, they just want to know everything. And you're like, well, let me be able to do my job. You got to find other things happening in your life, ma'am, sir, you know, that don't revolve around tracking the dog walker. (laughs) It's just a total different client and the personality and how they act and identifying that in people or being able to like give them the information for them to rest assured. Like, listen, you're going to pay your invoice on the first of the month. I'm going to come in and I'm going to take care of this. And it's going to be a happy little marriage. Like we do have to have that like handling of the client a little bit more where we understand how they buy. We understand their concerns, but then we get to go back in and say, "Uh, uh, 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 I got this. I'm the professional. Let me show you how it's actually done here. And they'll be like, wow, I appreciate this. The biggest compliment I've ever got in my dog walking business is someone literally went through our buying experience and they say, wow, like you're really it. Like you really got your shit together. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I just was like kind of confused. I was like, well, what do you mean? They're like, no, like you're really it. Like you literally, you get it. And I was like, well, what does that mean? They said, you really get it. You know, I've had dog walkers before that have come in and just grabbed a key from me and we met and it was just it. They're like, but all these little touches and points that you put in here, I can tell that you really get it. And I said, actually, I'm just duplicating the way that I know clients buy from being able to look at their credit history. (laughs) And I'm putting that in your buying experience now. And I know that the last thing you need is for you to monitor me and for you to have to handhold me. And we're going to make it work. And they're like, great. I love it. Um, But we show that authority. So sales psychology principles, again, showing that authority offhand. This is how it's done. This is how I'm going to take care of you. Having that social proof online. Here is my proof. Here's all the clients that I've actually done the same thing with. You see it. I see it. You look at their feedback. And that proves that I'm some person that needs to be trusted. Part of that social proof is becoming someone who you like. Wow, I actually saw the reviews and now that you're in my home, I really get why you're so well liked. I get why you're so well referred because this marriage makes sense. It literally does. And then you can add a price. Price is always at the end. I'm like literally, I think I want to do a social experiment in Texas probably where I am where I'm going to start charging like a significant amount And just to see the amount of people that's going to sign up for it. It's something that I know so hard wholeheartedly that price is only the price. Taking a dog out for a 30 minute walk is only a price where like that is a $50 minimum starting point to me. When I know that my dog is not going to have to hold our bladder. I know that I'm not going to have to leave work when I'm already in the middle of doing something, I don't have to get in my car. I don't have to use gas. I don't have to like stress out about, did I make it home or not? That value to me is minimum $50 for 30 minutes to me. I would pay in the upwards of $100 just because I know the level of business that I'm doing with my clients right now. And for me to have to stop and be like, hold on guys. I can't take this conference call because I got to run back home and let the dogs out. And then I'll come back and reconvene. That hour that I just lost would have made me so much more money than going home and take the dog out. That's how the effluent by time versus dollar. 
let's take just a few minutes and I want you to tell me, tell us, let's talk about the benefits to our company. I think we've worked around this a little bit, but why would I as a business be interested in going after affluent buyers and clients? Yeah, you'd be interested in going after a fluent buyer because they are the buyer with discretionary income. That is where your market is, okay? You want to go after the buyer who can uh, purchase you and use your service on a recurring status. You cannot, as a business, hold profit. You cannot stay in business. You cannot hire if you do not have recurring predictable revenue coming in every single month. And so if you have a whole client base full of drop-in clients who are like, oh, you know, I only can afford you guys every now and then. I'm just going to do a few here, a few there. You cannot build a business around that model. You simply just can't. So although you want to service every single client or help every single person, you have to decide what buyer am I going to be talking to? What territory, most importantly, does that buyer live in? where I can create a sustainable income that actually makes sense for me to stay in business. Yeah. Yeah. It's that predictability. It's, it's not about, Oh, these people live in nicer homes, so it's cleaner or they're friendlier people, or it's, it's nothing about that. Although there are some things that trend in that way, but not always we've been in that. It is about predictability. It is about resiliency in our business, especially right now with prices and everything going kind of crazy. Having people on your client books that are that have that discretionary income and that discretionary spending will continue to be able to purchase from you for longer than people who are going month to month, and that's just that's just a fact of personal budgets. Like that's that's just what that is. Yeah, and that's literally what comes down to in business. Sometimes I know we're like, oh, we need more empathy in business, and we need more understanding. Literally, you have to keep your business running. You can have all the empathy and understanding when you have a very lucrative business, okay? When your business is covering inflation, when it's bypassing recession, then you're like, hey, these other customers that come in who may need a break, I'm able to help them out because I have this solid foundation of my own, right? I always say this, we cannot pour from an empty vessel. Mm. So if we don't have a business, it really hurts my heart a lot. Even when people call me and I'm like, well, Natasha, I can't afford to hire you. Why not? That's a problem. The fact that you are a business owner and you cannot afford to invest in your education, that is showing that your margins are too, too low. You cannot afford not to invest because you have to be sitting on this cushion to where if anything knocks at your house, you're like, you know what? I've already planned for that. I already have that taken care of. Why? Because my clients are coming in at a consistent rate. So now I can actually predict raise increases from my staff. I can predict buying new gadgets and toys and you know new things for my clients to wow them. You don't have that flexibility to do so when you're working on such small margins. When the gas prices went up, I talked about it. When inflation hit us, I talked about it. When recession came, I talked about it. I've worked through two recessions in my own corporate career. So I know what that looks like. When I worked with Honda and the recession happened in 08, I was like, whoa. We literally, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage this month. Like we don't even have the same amount of cars being sold. I don't think it's going to happen for us. And I was a finance manager. Then when I worked for Mercedes, it was like, what recession? What are you talking about? The buyer has already planned for those type of iconic shifts in the market. So we need to be attracting that person that's going to be able to sustain with us. 
And then we're able to help a buyer who says, you know, Natasha, I really want to be able to use you right now, but I'm a little bit tight. Um, anything you can do to help. And that's when I get to jump in and say, absolutely, I got your back. I know that you've always been an amazing client. And right now this may be like a little rough point for you, but don't worry about it. I got a little bit more where that came from and I can help you out now. Yeah. Yeah. We can do things and we can take advantage of opportunities when they come along too. So whenever that really good opportunity to sponsor an event or a really good discount on product that you know you're going to use or the bonuses that you want to give to staff or the gifts that you want to give to clients, you can take advantage of those. While if you don't have that cushion, that margin in your business, you you aren't able to. And that does impact how you operate, how you are perceived as a business as well. Yeah. And I notice a lot in the groups where people are like, oh, my clients are so amazing because they always tip me. <laughs> so I hear like tips is a big uh, value assessment on the ladder of, of an ideal client if they yeah. tip. <laughs> yeah. Where some cultures, tipping is not even normal, but apparently in Facebook groups and in a pet industry, if a client tips you well, like that's another ladder bump. Okay. So just thinking about being able to tip you well, if that's how we measure an ideal client. People who have discretionary income are like, wow. I do hire these type of services. I do partner with companies. I understand what you guys go through. I understand what it is to keep the lights on. I want to kick you back another 20% tip on top of what you already charged me. Like if you guys think about the, the privilege of tipping, it is such a privilege. I've already paid for the full price, but now I can actually give you 20% additional on top of that. Wow. That is such a privilege to do so. And I'm saying, thank you. But it's not that I don't want to give you that tip. It's I just don't have it. That's the difference. So we have to be careful how we judge the consumer because we're always like, you know, deciding who's a good client or a bad client because of what this group has done. And then we're like, well, they never tip me anyway. So, you know, they can go to hell. <laughs> so, like it just comes down to that sometimes. And it's really just affordability. Yeah. One thing I hear a lot is they're like, you know, I don't want to be too expensive because I don't want my clients to think I'm too high and they can no longer afford me. Well, the clients who can afford you will afford you and they're going to value what you offer and they're going to be happy to pay for it. And you're going to be way less burned out and tired and exhausted and just enjoy overall life. People ask me all the time, Natasha, like, how do I know when I'm feeling successful? And I say, to be honest, you're feeling successful when you can live your own life outside of business, when business is no longer determining how you come and go, when you're like, I'm just doing my own thing and my business is running in the background and it's providing a lifestyle for me. That's when you can start feeling successful. Yeah. And again, not imposing our, our perceptions of that on the client. And so I, you know, when it, I, I, I really have enjoyed getting to talk to with you about what it means to get kind of in the mindset of the affluent clients and how we as pet businesses can start meeting those needs by recognizing that it is a time versus money. It is a value that we bring to them and not being afraid and and not allowing ourselves again to impose our perceptions of what value is versus isn't and how much their time is and is not worth. And instead having those processes to make it easy for them. But I know that this is a lot to implement, actually implement in businesses and look at our processes and make sure that we are meeting those needs. So uh, if people are interested in learning more about how they can do that in their business and get in touch with you for, for specifics, uh, Natasha, how best can they do that? 
Yeah, they can DM me right on my Instagram, Nishasha Banyan. I'm always linked with you guys on the Monday episodes. Um, And I'm always happy to kind of help dissect it more. I know it's like a, for me, it's literally 20 years of understanding that where I grew up and how I was raised has nothing to do with how someone else says, yes, I'm going to do that. I just saw like, and I like just to close us out, but I literally just saw someone in like a braiding group that was like, it takes me six hours to braid my hair, but there's no way I'm going to pay a technician $200 for this. And I said, well, just take you six hours by yourself. And now your arm is cramped and tired. And they're like, oh, I know that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, how dare you? A few things that we can start implementing today, guys, Mm -hmm. is making sure your price is high enough for you to differentiate the difference between a dropping client to a recurring client. So when someone says, do you offer discounts? Yes, we do. We offer discounts when you lease book us three times a week. Otherwise, our drop-in price is this. Mm-hmm. Then they'll say, oh, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Let me get on a recurring. You instantly switch sales psychology on a client. You instantly switch the client experience. You instantly switch your experience <laughs> because now you can predict the income from that client. But when you're like, oh, we're, bu- we're not busy. We'll just take you. Oh, yeah, you can come in. When an affluent client smells blood... And they feel that they can just drop in whenever they want to. And you keep saying, yes, 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 yes. Mm. They're like, cool. She always says yes. He always says yes. I'll just drop in whenever I want. And they will not commit to that client loyalty with you. So if you guys didn't get anything out of this episode today, please make sure you change your pricing from a drop in to recurring. So that client can feel that scarcity. Because it's another principle in sales psychology is scarcity. If I get this in a bulk, I'm going to benefit versus dropping in whenever I want to. And in return, that's going to help us prepare, plan, and be able to hire better. I love that. Again, Natasha, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the insights and, uh, and looking forward to seeing what people have to say about this. My pleasure. See you guys next time. Affluent clients buy with facts, not emotions or anything else. They're looking to you to be the expert and to solve their problems in a logical, cohesive manner that makes sense to them. They are going to trust you to give them the relevant information and they will quickly move on if they ever think that you are lying or being deceitful for them for your own personal gain. It is important that we operate with the utmost integrity for absolutely everybody. We have a training that we go through with our staff about how we treat every client the exact same. This is important to us, that we are honest, that we are upfront, that we have integrity with everybody who walks through our door. It's not about treating some clients better than others because we think that they are more wealthy. We treat everybody well because we want to be treated well. And we operate our businesses with truth, with facts, and with the best interests of both the client and their pet at heart. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet, and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters for making today's show possible. And thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how you have managed to market to more affluent clients and what that process has looked like for you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon.